Hello, and you're listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, Grizzly Man, directed by Werner Herzog and Listen to Me Marlin. Direct- oh, Stephen Riley. I didn't pull him up in time. That's the one. Directed by Stephen Riley. Thanks for the save, Michelle. All right, Michelle, this was your pick. Yes. Why? Por qué? Um, I like them both. They're both really interesting documentaries. I also like, because they're both from material that like the person made in their life. Mm. And yes. then it's like reformatted by someone else, which is also interesting. I'll say like, I like both of these films a lot. I probably thought Grizzly Man was a bit more entertaining compared to Listen to Me, Marlon. Well, it's just a bit more. Like you, you and I were discussing before, this movie was, was inexplicably very, very funny, despite the dark mm-hmm. subject matter. Is it dark? It is. You said, what do you think? Is it dark that? Is it dark that he he? You know, that was the eventual the eventuality. Of yeah, what and the guy was up to. well, and as you learn more about his background, it kind of becomes a little more. It's not sinister, but like a bit more like kind of sad. You know, like him being this failed mm-hmm. actor. And, kind of just almost on cheers yeah. which i thought was pretty funny um he wouldn't be the bartender but at the same time like what was fascinating what, what was dark to me was like when you kind of just see him lose his mind in the wild mm-hmm. that that when he was when he's rambling when he's rambling about the rain and that was i was like oh my god this guy really is not all there and he probably needed some help i didn't think he knew what he was trying to accomplish mm-hmm. by being out there I, I disagree with that. Right. Well, like, I he knew what he was doing, and it was, like, it was kind of a saving... Mm. He was saving himself, it, like, disguised as saving the grizzly bears, but, like, it also... Right. Sort of was saving the grizzly the grizzlies, because mm-hmm. he was just getting people mm-hmm. to pay attention to them. But maybe because of how he viewed them, and this, like, they're a wonderful animal, and you can connect and love... Like, are you encouraging kids to do that? It's like, is that what he's doing? That's that's it's, true. It's a very weird, morally ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, completely. Because the people criticizing him of like overstepping his, you know, uh, and and kind of crossing that invisible boundary also mm-hmm. kind of fail to mention that he's you know going out and actually you know raising awareness and and it's this very pure kind of character that really is trying uh, his best to just kind of you know connect with nature in a way and and he's when he's like when he sees the bear paw and like sees the dead fox and stuff like that and you see him break down it's very like honest and you can kind of understand that yeah of course he's you know when you find out more about his past that he's he was an alcoholic and he's trying to kind of disentangle himself from that life and and be one with nature it mm. it does have like a self-serving you know tone to it but also the, there's this weird like purity of it that that is really beautiful yes. and really like just what was the line that they said one of the guys said if it doesn't hurt yeah. the cows who cares right yeah. <laughs> like, if it doesn't scare the cows who cares i love that yeah. um and he doesn't and he doesn't scare the cows but ultimately what were the consequences of his actions was that he got someone yeah. close to him killed I don't think there's any dispute yeah, for that. Yeah, that, um, that was not the best thing. I mean, like, did he get them killed, though? They came there knowing of the risk. He didn't force them. He didn't drag them. He, like, when he was dying, right. he was trying to tell her to run away. Like, did he really kill them? Yeah, and he also seemed to be kind of aware of the risk he, w- he was taking personally. Like, if we... Mm-hmm. 
Well, he's constantly talking about how he's gonna, just how dangerous it is, and how he might die here. Yeah. Literally hours before his death, he's still yeah, not about even it. worried. It doesn't seem like he's worried. It seemed like it was something like the the darker tone to me was from this person trying to break out of civilization, which you also see in the Marlon Brando one. Like, listen to me, Marlon. It's very clear that he's yes. trying to break out of you know like escaping to tahiti and stuff like that like the these right. like structures that are suffocating them kind of just drive them to to these extent well to us might be eccentric lifestyles yeah, and extreme, extreme lifestyles but it and and that that's what i get from the grizzly man one is he he kind of just it seemed like he was actively trying to die <laughs> without killing himself like you but doing something kind of yes beautiful i don't know it's really complicated because it's it's very easy to dismiss him as like this moron who who didn't understand nature and a couple of times like even Werner herzog is like you know i see nature as chaos and death and obviously you know you should look at it this way but you know it's kind of admirable and that was actually most of a chilling observation i think to me it's like that scene when, when he goes like while he sees this i don't mm-hmm. see he provides his perspective he sees nature as a cruel unforgiving like place and he and the, 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 the line he says about the beer's eyes like in their eyes i see nothing i don't see kinship i don't see brotherhood i see an animal who like is slightly entertained by this like human being but can also like tear him apart at will don't you think it's like way more kind of that it takes more effort to view the beautiful side of this thing like kind of oh yes like that he's willing to see the beauty and all that and love them so much like he genuinely he loves them he loves these beers it would be harder i suppose because like we are we're i think people were naturally afraid we're i think we're bioengineered to be like like defensive and like Fear for our lives and this guy just doesn't care well does he not it's not that he doesn't care but he just like wants to overlook all of that i mean like herzog i mean he because he could have gone either way he could have said like built up this whole narrative about treadwell and then mm-hmm. bring in the fact that he got killed brutally at the end mm-hmm. but he didn't he like immediately no, right. you know he's introduced he's talking about the threat of his life and then in the cute the card underneath timothy treadwell till 2003 which it, the film is made in 2005, so we know mm-hmm. he's dead. Yeah. What did you guys think about his partner slash ex? That was a bit odd. Well, not odd, but like, what's her Jewel. name? Her name? Yeah. Her name? yeah, Jewel. Jewel. The watch scene was so bizarre. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, I want. Yeah, that's why I want to probe. What do you guys think about like how she react? Was she act playing up for? How much of that was her playing up for the cameras, and how much of that are just like her coming to terms with her? I'm guessing a fairly complicated relationship with this man, but still wanting to carry on his legacy. I felt like you saw like every emotion that she had sort of as like as immediately as it came into her brain. You because there's like one bit where she laughs when she gets past the watch, and then she just starts crying immediately because she's like oh this is still going where he isn't and stuff like that and that scene when uh how she was reacting to her talk uh listening to the tape and when the and the way she kind of breaks down i just thought it's i i'm trying to pinpoint like how, how much of that is just Maybe she's just kind of eccentric. But it's, it, the vibes were a bit weird, right? I mean, all of it. Like, I mean, it was, it was, like every it was, it kind of person odd. in this, this film is kind of a bit weird because mm-hmm. of what they're interested oh, in. Yeah, it's a little bit odd. Oh, that, that's, let's talk about the, oh, the amazing coroner. The coroner. Yeah. 
I can see why you're so he's <laughs> he keeps cutting it back, cutting back to him. And you can see why this guy is a is a character. <laughs> yeah, he was. That sequence, like for almost like five minutes, he delivers what I can call like a a, a performance, a breakdown of like what he thought I happened. I think that was the highlight like, the of aftermath. his career, you know. <laughs> like. Yes, me too. You can see this guy clearly sensing an opportunity. He probably can't talk about and, his job uh, very much, and this is his chance to talk about it. I I would be sup- I think coroners probably talk about their jobs a lot. Imagine meeting a coroner at a party. You'd be like, I have a million questions. I know, but like, uh, I mean, you would. But then also them talking about how they saw these two people who got eaten by a bear mm. once. And it kind of like, depending mm. on how they talk about it, it's going to bring the mood down a bit. Yeah, but it, it was it funny was, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he essentially didn't bring the mood down. In fact, like this guy was having the time of his life describing the visceral, gruesome details of how a couple got mauled and eaten by a bear. Which is pretty funny, I have to say. It's pretty funny. Although the funniest part of the movie to me was how the park ranger described like how the beers thought must have thought the guy was mentally Which disabled. Is, and that's why they tolerated it. a dumb him. thing to say. What, the bears wouldn't... I know, but it's incredible. Isn't that incredible that he said that? Like, oh, to, for the audience who haven't seen the movie, but, he does drop the R word. And it came, comes out of nowhere. It's awesome. Like, I, I could not believe it. No, that's... He just wants it. It's like, well, you didn't hear it from that's me. Like, that's what I think. The bears. Assuming the bears would like you, <laughs> like that's he's proving the. He's trying to be like, oh, I don't believe in that kind of silly stuff. They probably thought he was. <laughs> you think the bear has complex thoughts about him? <laughs> I don't know. But well, we can uh, shift to the Marlon Brando one for a bit because yes, that speak. That's that's yes. They're, they're, it's also very very good. Well, the only I will say. To preface, the only thing I didn't like about the movie is the uh, nagging soundtrack. I did not like that. Mm. It's too documentary in terms of like, and, and too, uh, you're supposed to be feeling this about his very inspirational speech at this part. I don't know, okay, let me so, here, judge for myself. Uh, someone described yeah, this doc- the documentary as an assisted posthumous auto-portrait. Mm. That's, I think that's a very yeah. cool, good description. I think Brando himself would have liked this. He probably would. I mean, he would have liked it, but also not liked it because it's so revealing. Yeah, it, it seemed like he was, like, very averse to any publicity or... Yeah. He's very private. At the same time, 200 hours of this, he's he was obviously, like... He's a very sensitive guy. I don't think he was, like, a very shy guy, but he's a very sensitive guy. Yeah. And that's why the privacy exists, to, to protect him. He, the privacy is not he's inherently private, is that he needs it to protect himself. Because, like, I think a lot of... So much of documentaries, like, well, it may seem like I was a very... I acted very aloof in public, but I was deeply hurt. And I like that. And then so much of it is just him actually admitting that, you know, his feelings were hurt about them. <laughs> and how he has to hide it. Because for everything's a perfor- to him, everything's a performance. I like the and, part uh, where he was like, I'm going to think of things that I like. And, and then he's like, chocolate brownies and uh, apple pie yeah. and ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> he's like, then he's like, well, you shouldn't eat them as often, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's talking to himself. Yeah, it's... I love mm-hmm. there's a very gentle tone to when he goes like, "All right, Marlon, calm down." Like, I like that because it, it he seems like a person who also deals with a lot of anger, right? And like it, a lot of it feels like a lot of this was this meditative idea of like calming down, trying to process like his emotions. Yeah, well, were these recordings like post the the sun thing or was it before? 
It depends on how old he's sounding, right? Because sometimes he sounds like very yeah. ragged. And I find times he sounds that really more. strange. How like in some people you can hear like their voice age,、mm-hmm. but then if you listen to Woody Allen talk in like the latest film that he's in, which is like ten years ago now, but still he sounds like he's back in the seventies. He sounds exactly、yeah. the same. It's very weird. Well, Conan O'Brien's voice has not changed in like thirty twenty five years. Also,、um, is maybe a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking、Maybe. probably doesn't. It doesn't number on you. But the the it, it was fascinating to to a see him like kind of trace his own career and and talk about what he felt about it and how he perceived it unfolding and then kind of to see because they they give you like glimpses of the you know the、mm-hmm. the shooting and stuff like that throughout that kind of like、yes. a hint at what's coming. And then finding out, like at the end, that his daughter like committed suicide. That he he probably was like、yeah. alone towards the end. Like he lost both his kids. And that in the and how his daughter was introduced as like a background, right? He's like, oh, now he's he's little. But did you notice, you can, like?、Oh. That was so、mm. sad. That broke my heart. Because they introduce Christian, and then there's like a pause, which you don't really get unless you rewatch it. There's the pause before they bring Cheyenne in, as if like it's a big thing. Um, Which it's very、yeah. very subtle. You wouldn't notice it like first time watching it. And then it's very very funny. Do you hear him talk about how he doesn't want to learn his lines? <laughs> that was very very funny. And also him dis and、uh, talking shit about、uh, Francis Coppola was very funny. It's like oh you do this to me. He is a guy who is very very assured of his own not only talent but his own skills. I think whether that transforms into like see him as just like a massive egomaniac is debatable. the the line where he th- talks about how he doesn't want to do a screen test for Don Corleone because he finds screen tests demeaning. no, but I mean at I mean looking back now, obviously it's easy to say well it's Marlon Brando, why should he do a screen test? but yeah so. Yeah, but like, but but back then, like that was a gamble. His career was like frowned. Like he wasn't a big. He was a big bet to get him at the point. That's why they made him do a screen test because the the, the produ- producers weren't sure like it was going to work. I feel like he、um, fell out of love with acting and then treated it like yes, because it's about yeah, the money. Like t- yeah, and then that kind of tanked his career further. And then he got these two good jobs, and then he was like back to treating it like. I don't know. I don't want to learn the lines. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't want to learn the lines. So when he described how he taped the lines to the、uh, to the actors' heads for on the actors' face foreheads for、yeah. Superman, amazing. He's、the、bragging about. He's he's like he did that explaining it in the movie. That was fascinating. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah,、oh, yeah. He was still pretty good in Superman. Right when he did show up, he was still like five minutes.、Yeah. He carried the presence. <laughs> For the five minutes that he was in it, he was still pretty good. It made me really want to watch Last Tango in Paris. You not seen it? I know I haven't seen it, especially like because like he's talking about how this was so difficult, and when Bert Hulu he said, "I want you, I want the you I'm talking to now," and how angry he got. It's like I don't want me. Like who the fuck do you think、mm. you are?、Um, it is a very strange film. Fascinating. And I haven't seen it since like watching this, so、mm. I think it would probably make some more sense. Probably.、Mm. I also didn't know he was that.、Um, Active in the civil rights movement, like yeah, that was he cares. He's a very passionate guy who believe like、uh, apparently like he dropped like the mo- when、uh, Martin Luther King got assassinated, he dropped out of the film, like the film、mm. he was signed on to do, and said he's like devoting most of his time into activism now, and like that in, in the aftermath, like that's、mm. yeah, he's 
I wouldn't call him a stand-up guy, but like he is a guy who clearly cares about humanity. Well, he's, about he's very sincere, um, kind of like this grizzly man. He's he's also kind of just very very sincere. Yes. Wears his heart on his sleeve and has like a tremendous amount of empathy, and that kind of hurts him to function just day to day. Yes, because he cares so much. Yeah.、Um, I think that also plays、that... into his like acting、mm-hmm. because like he talks about、yes. how he could just watch people's faces and how they're feeling and trying to like imagine the complexities of being that person. Like that's gonna help you massively being anyone else when you're acting.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of、uh, of Jack Kerouac. Like his all his, his intense sincerity. That's like. Almost obnoxious, like he's like, I'm here right now, and I'm watching、yes. all these people, and I'm being, and that's kind of a, it takes like a specific skill to be that, like in the moment. Yes, and、uh, found it. I agree. Interesting. So, so much passion. You know, because there's a line at the start where he's like,、mm-hmm. something, something about like he, this is gonna be in a documentary, or they're gonna make a documentary about me one day. Oh, I didn't know. Like. There's, yeah, the digital.、Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The, yeah. How much? Because I mean, they talk. They mention the fact that like they digitize his face and he can talk through that. I think so. Like,、mm-hmm. do we then trust the filmmaker that this is actually Brando and then they're not making it up? Like, how much are we trusting them to like? Oh yeah. Like, are they using the digital bit to like enhance it a little bit, make it more emotional, or is it all him? And you contrast that with like. How、yeah. do we know? And to contrast that with Grizzly Man, where the creator is very is very obviously a creator having dialogue about the subject. But they don't hide the fact, like、uh, with Marlon. Hitchcock, they don't they don't hide and they don't hide it exactly. So they create the dialogue with with him, even though he can't do that. How much of this is all him? It does make me question that because the music is so manipulative. Like I thought, I was thinking about that, like when you tell when we were talking about this earlier, because、uh, I was because as I was finishing the film, and I was getting increasingly aware of like how the music is really dictating like how we much how you want to feel. Is there a definitive like I was like, is there a definitive The way we should like emotionally process what he's saying, like、uh, how much of it is like f- the the creators of this documentary manipulating us to feeling like a certain way about his point of view. But in the cases like you know his daughter, his daughter, like that makes sense. Like it is like. But that's the thing about documentaries. It's that it is curated by someone who is not the person.、Mm. That it's about, even、mm. though this has stuff that was made by the people it's about in it.、Mm. You know, because it's trying to make you believe in this, like you would a film, but it's also like this is someone's、mm-hmm. life, and how much can they actually get right? How much have they added in for a little bit of extra emotion to keep you interested? You can't know. No, that's true, and I think it it goes. And yeah, we will never know. It's、uh, it's about you know just trusting that the filmmaker is kind of either gearing this towards the spirit of the person or. Or because it, it's kind、mm. of inevitable that some of your perspective will seep in, even as you try to be as objective as、yes. possible. Like selecting which footage, selecting which tapes to use, because there's a finite number of、mm-hmm. you know minutes in the, the project.、Mm-hmm. So I, I I think it's inevitable. Like despite this being both the, these films, like kind of coming from. Stuff the subjects recorded. It's really hard to to like say that this is purely them. It can never be purely、yes. them. At the same time, like I think it's okay to admit that these are these both of these men are pretty complicated、mm-hmm. people, right? Complicated people with complicated views that sometimes 
like contradict like they contradict themselves um because people contradict themselves yeah and like it's possible to have like a definitive spin on this even if it's coming from his own words because like think about like brando record this over 200 hours over years and years and years how has the way he viewed things changed they kind of do that because they do say like contradicting things people are complex and that they both manage to capture that these are all very complex people Mm. which is actually a very good skill the most surprising and revealing part of the Brando documentary was that him describing how he actually did bother to do some research for Apocalypse Now. I was like, wow, he did? You looked into that? Crazy. I didn't, didn't think you'd bother, but okay. I, <laughs> or maybe I mean, you're just yeah, saying I don't that know how much of it is actually like true, but if it is the um, the fact of making him like a, a, a intelli- uh, like an intelligent kind of guy, not just this brute. I don't know. I, I thought that was a good call. Yeah. That was the right call. He and he, he also you can see him challenging the directors in that uh, mutiny on the bounty. That's the film that he was talking about in the period piece about Tahiti and all of that. Apparently, he was clashing with the directors mm-hmm. like day to day on the day, like going like and ad libbing most of his lines. And then the original director got fired and had to bring a new guy in. They made it seem like that film was what made him like fall out of love with acting. I mean, it could have been. It could have been like a long-term pro- thing. Mm, either way. Oh, um, and he also has his best line when he admits that, I was very attractive. You can say I was very attractive at my younger age. You can say I was destined to spread my seed. And then <laughs> the fact that you say that, incredible. What a guy. And he has like multiple, he's, if you go on his Wikipedia page and look at his personal life, the amount of name the women were associated with him skyrocketing it's crazy i mean he could have anyone he wants mm-hmm. like he could have anyone so mm-hmm. like but then he's at the same time a lot of his he is so lonely mm-hmm. at least according to like the tapes when he's talking about like how his mom left him how the uh the governess left him and i was like well okay yeah so he's constantly feeling like he doesn't understand why people would like i know but then he talks about how like important love is and then yeah. consistently cheats on everyone <laughs> yeah. he's ever been with yeah um, <laughs> you know there's a lot of contradictions oh, we have been, there's a lot of contradictions he's a guy who has a lot of love to give let's just yeah. put it like that but that's <laughs> something we, we tend to like overlook like the like today like i think especially in politics like people tend to overlook that we're all people and we all are you know, contradictory kind of beings that you know sometimes we believe something mm-hmm. but it's like you know at the end of the day and you're too tired to <laughs> go and <laughs> recycle something like that yeah and and you know it's uh it's not saying that this person's a bad person or anything but yeah there are nuances he's a to yeah, he is a, everyone yeah. uh, we haven't even talked about his relationship with his dad which i thought was yeah. like a big, that big part interview of the movie. was like heartbreaking holy mm-hmm. shit when his dad is like talking him up and uh and then it's like oh would you like your dad talk to you that way and then his genuine wife thing is not a he wasn't there's not a hint of humor in his voice when he said that oh i wouldn't be bothered with that because i could knock him down with one lick and there was like genuine if there there was like anger in that response and you understand it because it's like sure he phrased it as a joke did. yeah mm. exactly and based on what you said heard about him saying it's like his dad beating his mom and all of that you could, wow and it's like I can't believe that aired. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. No, no, I want to say one thing. 
Okay, one more thing. It's mildly related. So after I watched this for the first time, I bought Marlon Brando's autobiography. Mm. It's called like Songs My Mother Taught Mm. Me or something like that. But in it, because it's a second-hand copy, it it has someone's phone number in the front of the book. Mm. And I've been like contemplating messaging this person for like five years. (laughs) But I don't know if it's weird. I don't know if it's creepy. (laughs) So I just never did it. Maybe it's Marlon Brando. Yeah. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. And shall we take a break? And we're back now. Se- All right. Seven reels, ladies and gentlemen. Let's rate these two. Seven reels. Step right up. Who wants to go first? Hmm. I think four for Grizzly Man. Three for Listen to Me, Marlon. I'm in agreement. I'm just going to be a, an outlier mm-hmm. and say five for Grizzly Man and two for Listen to Me More. Oh, yeah. I like both films a lot, but I thought Grizzly Man was a far more like it. It's hers. Like Herzog added a lot of it. Like he really made it like a very something that actually kind of stands out because there's a dia- because of the dialogue between the creator and like the subject. Like there seems to be like, and I that was cool. Which okay, well that wraps it up. That brings us to what have we? watch this week michelle what have you watched this week i know what you watched this week i watched what's it called the real charlie chaplin which was such a disappointment (laughs) i i feel deeply offended deeply hurt i'm very angry (laughs) especially watching these two films in the same week sort of seeing how wild they managed to capture the complexity of people and this just completely ignores like it has such a bold title like i'm gonna get to know the real chaplain <laughs> i i didn't learn anything there was nothing it, it barely did any of his personal life like they really could have gone into like this which every other one has done where it's talked about like he grew up poor on the streets of london then he made his films into that which made him one of the richest people in hollywood and then he feels very conflicted because he sees the you know the great depression and all the people are poor again and he's rich and he's like conflicted about it and then he wants communism and then he gets kicked out of america but instead they just sort of brush over the fact that he made films and then they just randomly start dropping like all these random people talking about him and what he was like and like most of it was reenactments I'm not fully convinced and just, yeah. any of them. Like, how how did they get this? How was this real? Because, like, if you're going to show, like, they, there's audio of his children talking about him, but where's the video? Why isn't there a video? And then in the credits, there's no, like, thanks to these people. So I'm not yeah, completely which convinced interview it was. they were even real. Like, that could have been an actor saying uh. that, for all we know. And, like, they just do not capture him in any sort of way. The good parts are the fact that, you know, you have some long clips of the films. They were the only, like, yeah. <laughs> respite from this awful film. It's not a good sign about your documentary, yeah. It was just so When the best part of the movie awful. was just Charlie Chaplin's movies. <laughs> yeah. Just don't ever make a film again, whoever made this. You're not good enough. <laughs> just don't, because I, ne- I won't watch it. You'll never make it on the podcast. I'm going to see if I can... If... So clearly, what's the point? Okay, <laughs> I'm done. All right, thanks, thank you, Michelle. That was very enlightening and re- and uh, revealing. It it is not a very fun documentary to watch, I will admit. Yeah, 
And of all the things that they do reenactments of, like like they they, they find such weird parts to do reenactments. I mean, he's got such a specific voice, like so specific that you, no one can recreate it, and yet they still tried. Like it's supposed like what is real about this? He has no voice in this. Not like there are interviews from him. They're small. There's like a whole autobiography that he wrote that they didn't barely even draw up at all. Okay, I know. What a waste of time. Okay, so this won't be a recommendation. No, <laughs> never. This is what how not to make a documentary. These are done by the same people behind Notes on Blindness, which I've heard of and never got around to watching. What is well, it? Well, Winner Herzog does a film about the deaf and blind it's people, about, which uh, is excellent. It's about a... G- Mm, yeah, it's, well, it's about blind people. It's about a guy going blind. Who's John Hall? I've come, I can't I don't remember. Know. I don't want to talk about but them. Yeah. They're not worthy of my time. Okay. All right. Which, uh, what, Yusuf, what have you seen? Well, I watched uh, two films back to back, and I mentioned them both because Ooh. they're relevant in uh, theme. Um, I watched Baby Driver and uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Wow. What was like the driving force behind like both of these? They, they were on Netflix. <laughs> That's too bad. And, uh, <laughs> and I was at home alone, so I watched them. I gotta say, I'm uh, I, I enjoyed the uh, Mad Max movie a bit more, and Baby Driver just I don't remember I didn't remember it being so aggressively corny, but uh, it was it was a bit tweet. Yeah. So I so I was like I don't know. I enjoyed the cartoonish nature of uh, Mad Max more. Yeah. So that was it. With Mad Max, well, I don't think anybody's made an action movie as exhilarating as Fury Road since Fury Road. Like, you expect, like, when it came out, I, I was expecting this to be, like, the new renaissance of, like, go for broke in, like, action movies that, under, that is, is all killer, no, 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 no filler. Mm. But and I think instead, John Wick came and derailed everything. You think so? And now we we can only make movies about assass people with guns shooting each other in close spaces instead of like you know something more grand and fun. Yeah, I think John Wick ruined everything. Even I'm not saying those movies are bad, but like we only make these type of action movies now, right? Yeah, yeah I mean that's yeah. Think about the level of imagination in terms of just building a world that Fury Road injects into like even its first five minutes. But they don't create like, it. It's, it's based on the Mad Max films. Yeah, yeah but, but no, he, well, was, he created the that kind of over and and like. Uh, it's just like a desert, though. It's hardly a world. Thing. Yeah. Well, no, there are little details. They, they they put mm-hmm. in enough details in terms of like the, the vocabulary the characters use, uh, the bullet farm, for example, like in the in the priest. Like, mm-hmm. I loved all of that. Like the little details they put in, how aggressively like feminist it was like the film was yeah. like having it be- having like a the protagonist barely be a protagonist and instead of shifting the focus into Charlie Theron and the rest of the ladies I thought that was awesome yeah it's yeah I want to watch thanks you thank you for bringing it up you I'm gonna watch Fury Road again it's really like, awesome. I, 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 I miss it but with it's the really Road awesome. Warriors also I think as awesome mm-hmm. I I think so the stunts are just as impressive yeah especially if you think of it as given at the time with their budget right yeah, yeah it's so good and I mean, beyond the Thunderdome is is not it's not you know great, but it's uh, how's it, Tina Turner in it? Fascinating. <laughs> that, fascinating. That's what I would okay. I would watch it just because it's kind of really interesting. But yeah, what have you watched, Arvin? 
I actually haven't had much time to watch a film, so all I did was watch the new Peacemaker show. That's the only thing I've watched this week, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, really sad. Actually, no. Actually, no, no, no. Never mind. Never mind. I want to record. Watch Michelle and I were watching this Netflix show called Behind Her Eyes. Now it's my turn to rant. <laughs> um, we didn't finish it. To preface, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't finish this show, but. But I think I call I well personally I called it quits when what I thought was gonna be like a kind of more slow and simmering like erotic thriller just nosedives into schlocky supernatural territory when a character literally astral projects herself to spy on another character. Yeah, and I I just couldn't get past her husband to spy on her husband. And I just couldn't get past that that happened. And by astro it's project so you mean lucid dreaming that somehow makes us see what her husband's yeah, no, doing. Because they, they exactly because they, they the characters bring up this concept of lucid dreaming, which could be interesting in of itself in terms of exploring these characters' psyche, but this character literally uses lucid dreaming as like a supernatural spying device. And and the show doesn't set this up whatsoever when it first starts out. I I, I and I, I couldn't get I, I stopped. I stopped. I'm sorry, but like I, I, I couldn't finish it. I don't want to know how it ends. Because I know I'm just gonna get progressively angrier and I, I'd rather be watching something that makes me happy. Like the Peacemaker show, which was actually pretty good. I would say it's pretty good. John Cena is really, really good, is a pretty good actor. And I like the music. Mm-hmm. Very excited to continue watching it. Alright, so that brings us to our recommendations. Mm-hmm. Michelle, you start this. What other films would you recommend? I'm going to be annoying and do more than one. Okay. Well, I kind of wanted to do Blackfish, but I feel like a lot of people have seen it and it makes me really sad. But so I'm not going to do that. But there's this one, it's called, it's like a BBC documentary, which is called Van Gogh Painted in Words, which it's got reenactments with, what's his name? Benedict Cumberbatch is Van Gogh which is a bit weird, but it's actually, it's okay. It's all made from his uh, letters that he wrote to his brother and like all the letters that, and then all the characters have like the letters that they wrote back to him and they're talking what they said in the letters. And then also there's a bit of like talking about what he did in his life at this point and stuff like that. It's a bit, it's a bit odd. It's not that long, but I I quite like it. I think it's quite interesting to see Mm. like his relationship with his brother, which is quite, it's very sweet. Yusuf, I'm gonna let you go first because I'm afraid that you we might we might we might line up. Really interesting. Okay, well, I I don't know which one to recommend. Okay, I'll recommend Rolling Thunder Review, the Bob Dylan mm-hmm. documentary on Netflix that Scorsese did. It's pretty fun. The he plays around with the truth of it, which I think is kind of similar. I mean. I mean, it's all, like, obviously from Bob Dylan's, like, perspective and and his, like, input is cl- very clearly into it. But I, I like that they play around with the with the facts a bit. And uh, it's very, like, they're, they don't make it a secret and kind of uh, is part of it. And that raises your awareness of, though, this is still a narrative. So it's not, like, you know, t- uh, completely objective, which is something we were discussing. So... It's a pretty interesting documentary, weird way to go about it. My recommendation is a film that Yusuf, you recommended that we watch together, American Animals. I don't remember this. What? 
Oh, it's about it's a document. It's kind of a documentary, but most of it's a reenactment with like pretty good A-list actors, like Barry Keoghan, wasn't it, and like Evan Peters. It's about these high school kids oh, who decided to do a heist. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And then half of it, mm-hmm. half of the film is like the actual guys like talking about. It. The other half it cuts to the reenactment. But the way they inter, it's done by an actually good filmmaker this time around. Mm-hmm. So it blends seamlessly together to tell this incredibly compelling like true crime story. I thought that was a very interesting way of doing a documentary. Yeah. And it's looking more fun. Like this it's like if you want to make something like a story that's already very like ridiculous and engaging, even more engaging by actually like bringing like realizing it fully while not like letting go of the back the fact that it is a real event and having the real people be there to like uh, reflect on it. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would be my recommendation. Well, Yusuf, it's your pick mm-hmm. next next week. Next week we will be watching uh serial killer movies. Ooh. So we'll be watching Mario Bava's Blood and Black Lace and The Butcher. Also makes for an easy podcast title. So it'll be the alliteration is uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe and keep it real. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. The Seventh Reel is hosted by Arvin Huang, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lin, and our outro music is composed by Yahya El Bashir. Thanks for listening.